I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? I hope you're feeling alive. And this is Josiah Keneally. You're listening and tuning into the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. And this morning, we're joined by Todd Tillman. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for joining us this morning and today. My pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me. Thanks. You bet. And uh, for the listener tuning in, Todd and his wife, Brooke, have eight children, which is amazing. And also, um, he is season 18 winner of The Voice and um, has a passion for the Lord, passion for the next generation and for ministry, has been a rural pastor for a number of years. I'll let Todd share his story, Um, but I thought I would let the listener in on a special treat. You guys know that I'm a proud girl dad. And this morning, our two-year-old daughter, Aurora, saw me getting ready. And this is what she said. And I pressed record. Check this out. If you didn't hear that, basically, that was our two-year-old daughter, Aurora, saying, Dada, do podcast. And I didn't know that she knew that that's what was happening. I didn't know that she knew what a podcast is or was, but more is caught and taught and uh, excited to hang with you, Todd. Yeah, man, man, I'm excited to be here. That is cool, though. She kind of little kids, man, I'm telling you, and they'll tell you the truth, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, It's a breath of fresh air, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. Well, I thought we could start with you and there's been a lot happening in your life, but can you just maybe start with some of your journey of life and leadership and take us to today? Oh man. Uh, Oh man. So my wife and me got married. I mean, we dated like as kids and we got married as kids. (laughs) So uh, when we got married, I was 20 years old, you know, she was 18. Um, And uh, that's been almost 24 years now. So, <laughs> so it'll be 24 years in November. Uh, but um, I, uh, when we got married, I was already sort of in ministry. I was in like a youth ministry and, um, and entering into like the process of being licensed and ordained into pastoral ministry. And, and so uh, really it's a very long, complicated story in all those years. Uh, I was a youth pastor, uh, an associate pastor, lead pastor, um, worship pastor, kind of the whole time, <laughs> you know, and it was all at the same church. Uh, and so, um, the, it, and also in that time, um, uh, early in our marriage and family, we had three sons. Uh, my oldest is 22 and my uh, next oldest is 18 and right after him is 17. Those, those second two are like 18 months apart or so. And um, After him, after the third son was born, we adopted our oldest daughter from Korea. Wow. Uh, then found out that she had a, a biological sister born. And so we adopted our second oldest daughter from Korea. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, then after that, we, biologically we had five boys in a row. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we had two more boys, um, there, uh, my girls, my oldest girls are 13 and 12. And, uh, we had two more boys after that and they are nine and eight. And then 
uh, to round it out, we had a baby girl and she's six. So our, our oldest and youngest are, um, exactly 16 years apart. They have the same birthday. So, uh, yeah, which is wild, but you know, um, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I was, I knew that there was like some, you know, I mean, you just get a sense, I guess there's a whole lot of like spiritual lingo that I could throw on it, but you just get a sense when it's time to shift into something different and, you know, and I don't know, I just, I was just really unsettled. Um, and, uh, and not like in a, in like, not like in a holy way. I don't know how to put that, you know, it's more in a, in a, like, you know, something's got to give and something's got to change kind of way. And, um, I was just about to begin the process of, uh, of becoming a real estate agent uh, wow. back in Mississippi. Uh, when, I mean, I, when I say suddenly, <laughs> I don't know that suddenly is the right word, but sort of out of the blue, uh, you know, I, I kind of on a whim, I went and auditioned for the voice at really at my wife's insistence because uh, we had known that the audition was like coming because you register or you can register way earlier for the open call auditions. And, um, uh, but I also had sort of, I don't know when I talk about these things, I want, I want to make it pretty clear that I'm not, I'm not being pitiful or like self-deprecating. I'm just being honest. You know, I had sort of thought there's no way that, that they would pick me, you know, so I wasn't going to go. Uh, but she sort of insisted. And so I went and um, so summer of 2020, I won, you know, I, like won the whole show. Uh, it's a long process. And and so now um, really uh, the best way that I know how to put it as far as myself, like just me, uh, not not if you not talking about our entire family, because, man, there's I mean, there's we literally have this swath of things that our family does and we get to do uh, and that that are blessings. But uh, I, I pretty much wherever I am, I tell every crowd that now I just get to go all over the place and tell people I love them, you know, and that's what I do. That's inspiring. And what a cool story. What a cool heart just to, to share the love of God and to follow. Maybe it, it felt like a whim or a next obedience step. Also some encouragement or insistence, persistence from your wife. And I think that it's all part of the process of God's plan. And, um, you know, if you're willing to like, take us through open audition and then okay. what was, what was it like from there? Uh, the, you, you mean the voice process? Yeah, the voice. Uh, yeah. So it, um, okay. So the open call auditions were in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the ones that I went to, they have them all over the country. Uh, but mine were in Atlanta, Georgia. I lived at the time about four and a half, five hours, maybe away from Atlanta. So um, I drove in, spent the night in a really cheap, kind of scary motel. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. You know, uh, I just was kind of trying to save money. We have a big family. And, yeah. And so, uh, so um, I got up really early the next morning because you, I mean, I don't know. I know this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but I'm like putting up air quotes right now. Like you have an appointment, you know, for your audition, but so do, you know, 4,000 other people. It's like two different appointment times in the day 
So the first the first appointments are like thousands of people, and then the second ones are thousands of people. I stood in line uh, for hours, man, long, long time. I I, I got there maybe five in the morning ish. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, stood in line for a really long time, uh, and then I, you know, eventually got broken into a group of ten people and went in and sang, and they said yes, and so. At that moment, because uh, uh, it's, you know, it's a process and I'm pretty sure that it's, it's widely known that, that when you go to The Voice, you don't just like go and they say, hey, we like you. You're going to go have a blind audition. You know? uh, so, um, I, you know, I always make the joke with people like I know how to read. Like I read the paperwork, uh, but I didn't uh, I just didn't think that they would want something someone like me. So my wife and me both were kind of like, you know, we, we do want to show our kids that they can, um, that just try things, you know, just give it a shot, you know, take a risk. And, and so I, I, it was kind of more like, I guess that would be the, you know, the takeaway from the, the, the whole audition would be that, you know, Hey, look, I'm, you know, we've, I've been doing the same thing for a hundred years and, it, I feel like it's time to change something. So we're just taking a couple of chances. And anyway, well, when they said yes, I had to go buy some clothes and stuff because I knew I didn't think I would get the callback. And the callback was the next day. Uh, so I went and I knew that. I mean, it's in the paperwork. I just didn't expect that I would get it. So, um, uh, you know, they said yes in the callback. And um, and then the process sort of begins. Uh, I mean, there's several steps to the process i'm not really I, I, it's two years later now and i'm still not certain what i'm allowed to share um but uh once once i got a blind and i knew that i was going to have a blind audition on the show uh that you know that is when i know everyone that's you know old enough to understand what people are saying has heard the 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 uh, phrase do it afraid you know yes. that's when i really did start doing it afraid because i was just mortified <laughs> you know like there's no way like i am and, and again i'll say i'm not saying this like in a in a pitiful way i'm just being being honest and it, it really is a testament to like you give god a chance man all you gotta do is give god a shot you know and because i wouldn't i would not say like, like I was the only one, like I would not say that, but I was one of very few, very, very few people who really kind of did not belong, you know, uh, like these people are all accomplished performers and vocalists and artists, and they, they travel around and and they have shows and they have management and, you know, I just showed up. You know, <laughs> like I just showed up one day. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love yeah. it. So Todd, what about your your song? And the reason I asked this is a while back, I, I watched um, Walk the Line, uh, kind of the documentary or story interpretation of Johnny Cash's story. Yeah. And there's a yeah. moment that he had and his family's down and out and he needs finances and he's got this dream and he's in, I believe, Nashville. And he gets, you know, he, he wants to cut a record, but the guy's like, come back in a month. And the guy ended up giving him an audition. And he's like, we don't need that song. He goes, give me the song that's in your soul. If you had 
you know, and it, it then he, he switches the song and they, they cut a whole record that day. I believe the story goes, but what was your song? Like, what did you open with, with the blind audition? Oh, on the voice. Uh, I opened with, um, with a Bob Seger song. Uh, we've got tonight. Uh, and that just, it's, it's wild because, you know, uh, I just, I don't know. I just kind of, I kind of sang that in some earlier auditions. Uh, almost just, frankly, in the, in the, when I first got the call back, um, I didn't, again, I just really wasn't expecting it. And so, um, so I had, I was scrambling for songs to sing, <laughs> you know, like, what am I going to sing out here? Uh, and I wanted to do something that, that kind of fit my voice. I wanted to do a song that I really liked because I feel like that translates, you know, that you're not just singing something. So um, I did a Bob Seger song and uh, I, you know, I felt good about it, but it, it apparently went over really well. <laughs> you know, uh, all the, all the coaches turned and uh, ton, tons of media outlets, you know, reached out and all, all the things that apparently just went really, really well. So God, it's fun. And then how about your final song? Like your, your moment on the voice, take us to that, the, the most recent or the winning, the last song. What, what did you yeah. think of that? My, my finale song on the show was, uh, I can only imagine, um, that it's a, you know, the yeah. probably, I don't want to, I don't want to say, but most likely like the biggest faith mega hit that ever happened, you know, uh, may, maybe not, but I'm pretty sure, uh, I did. I can only imagine. And, uh, it, um, I, I asked the music department, they, they are very, let me just say the entire production of the voice, uh, they were just really good to me. Uh, and, and they're all they're They're very, um, I don't know how to put it. They're, they're constructively critical when it needs to be. Uh, but they're also very accommodating and, and they listen to what you, you want and what you're feeling. And so I asked them to change the arrangement, uh, a little, not the, well, maybe not the arrangement, just the instrumentation, maybe, uh, because I know, I know that, um, that I can only imagine has that very classic piano intro. Uh, and so I asked them to take that out and, and change it to strings instead. And they did. And it, it was great. Uh, and, uh, and that that was received just really well. And it's a funny story about that is I'm, I don't want to lie. So I have racked my brain, even in my time as a pastor and, and uh, a worship pastor. I don't think I ever sang. I can only imagine like even in a funeral, you know, because tons of people have it in their funerals. Uh, and now, man. Now I sing it every everywhere I go. It's on the set list because everyone saw it on the voice and they expect it, you know, from me. So uh, I sing it all the time. But that, yeah, that was the finale song. God, it's incredible. And of course you won. And I think what an yeah. accomplishment and what a what a step of faith. And and I think that in the process too, it's um, created a lot of opportunities where people want to hear your experiences. And you yeah. now you and your wife, Brooke, have a brand new book releasing called yep. Every Little Win, talking about the voice, but celebrating the wins along the way. And I think that yep. it's an inspiring message, but tell us what's your hope for the listener today about maybe maybe they're 
on a mountaintop, maybe they're actually feeling like they're more in an anonymous season. Tell us the message of every little win. Oh man, every little win. Um, it was, it was so very important to us um, because all we know how to do is, is sort of convey what, what we want the world to hear from us. Uh, Cause we don't know how to write a book or any of those things. People helped us a ton, you know, um, but it, it's, it started, it, it's weird because it started a little different and then it, it sort of morphed and grew into something better, uh, which was that, you know, first of all, it's important to pay attention to where you are now and how God is using that because what we wanted to do, and so many people have, have talked to me since the, since they've read it, you know, and, and thank, thankfully, you know, they've said uh, that apparently we accomplished our goal, at least a little, at least with a few people. Uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to sort of convey this message that sure, I, I went on national TV and a cabillion people watched and I won, you know, and the eyes and it was during COVID. So no one had anything to do, but watch TV. Uh, and so, um, tons of people saw that and, and I don't, I don't despise that at all. I mean, it was fantastic, you know, uh, but that moment as almost perfect as it was, uh, that was, sort of, and I don't want to even say it was a culmination. I feel, I feel like that's not really even fair, but it, it was just one big moment. What really sort of makes us who we are is all of these little things that have happened along the way and all these battles that everyone's fighting. And so we wanted, we wanted to sort of convey that, that like, you know, maybe you're not on the voice when in a TV show, but you do have, kids who are struggling or you have been in marital trouble. We've been there. We almost divorced. We've had kids who were sick. We've been through two adoptions and those, those are not easy. Um, I have fought, um, uh, I have fought a spirit of, um, just like pharisaical religion, uh, you know, and, and we put that in there. I know a lot of people fight that and deal with that. You know, um, we've had uh, real, like, I'll never forget, when I was, when I was a much younger man, I would watch movies with my wife where there's these schoolhouse bullies. And I always would comment on how over the top that was. But then one of my children went through a very severe season of like very severe time of bullying. I mean, like it was, it was remarkably bad. Uh, and people are dealing with these things. My wife, uh, has had, um, you know, I mean, we all, you know, even, even Paul said that he had a thorn in his flesh, you know, uh, my, my wife has had, um, I guess a lifelong battle with anxiety and, and, yeah. and we, we kind of share that in there and, uh, and we're, she's, she's fairly open. As a matter of fact, uh, so many of these podcasts and interviews, we've had people say, man, y'all were sure brave for sharing all that. So we would shut down the podcast when it was over and I would look at her and be like, oh my God, I hope we didn't share too much. You know, everybody talks about how brave we were. I hope we didn't share too much. Uh, so we, we basically, that's the message that we wanted to get to the world that like, you know, first of all, like 
where, you know, where you are right now, even if it's a good, good place, unless for some reason it's God's plan that this is the end of your journey on earth, this is not the end, you know, and, and there, there's always something to remember. And I even say about my oldest son, who's out of the house now, a lot of my music, tons of my music, I'm getting ready to release a song on September 9th. It's just based on, um, family and, and, um, how I, I released a song not long ago called slow down. And it's kind of that, like, he's gone now he's out of our house. And so now I wish I would have paid more attention to the nothing days, you know, the days where there was just nothing. We were just together, you know, because now he's gone. And, and it's like, I'll, there are t- there are times because I'm I'm in a hotel room right now. There are times I'm alone in a hotel room, you know, and I just lay there and I try to remember more, you know. Uh, and so it, it's just really important to me and and to my wife and our our family um, to convey to people that we're all sort of walking this journey, you know, and and some sometimes things are great and sometimes things are not so great. And I, I mean, since the voice, I mean, I, I, one of the bigger misconceptions I think that the general public may have, there is no yellow brick road, you know, even when you win the voice, you know, you just keep working and you keep fighting. And I would say in the last two years, realistically, and I mean, very, 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 realistically i'm not exaggerating i've had more no's in the last two years than i had in my entire life before you know and that's part of it uh it's just but you just keep working you know and you you keep trusting god you know Todd, it's so powerful. And if you're watching on youtube you've seen uh todd's hat where it just says slow down and that message and that song speaks to me with two young girls, um, yeah. life is going so fast. I've seen this illustration, Todd, where there's um, kind of this jar of marbles and there's 932 marbles in the jar. And you're like, okay, what, what's the significance of 932? And from the day you bring your, or from the week you bring your child home from the hospital until the week that they graduate high school, there's 932 weeks. Yeah. So I've actually shared this on the podcast before of like, there's 932 pizza parties on Friday nights that our family gets mm-hmm. to have. And if we choose to go out of town or travel or speak or have an event, that's one of the pizza parties. And, you know, this morning our girls get up early. And so we were at the park and there's sand at the park and it goes so fast through our little girl's hands. And it's like, man, that's time. Yeah. And it, it really, really is. It really causes me to go, you know what, like what matters most, because I want to live my life. I don't know about you, but I think the listener, I think all of us are wired with eternity written on our hearts and we are eternal beings living this temporary human existence on planet earth. And it all goes so fast. And it's kind of like that sand slipping through our hands. So I I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to wish it away. Uh, I want to embrace each moment and just live my life for the things that matter most. And I really believe those are the eternal things, the things that matter and last forever. And so I'd ask you this, like, 
what would you say, maybe what piece of encouragement to the person who feels like they're not experiencing God's victory, they, they feel like they're actually more in the thick of it, in the battle, maybe as a young parent or as a young adult pastor or trying to have kids or just looking at life and maybe it's not turning out the way that they've expected and they're having to adjust some of their expectations. They're, they're fighting a health issue or they're fighting some, some very real battles with job or career or life or finances. Um, what would you say to that person who longs for victory and they, they're not experiencing it right now? Oh, man. Oh man. So, so, so many things. Like, first of all, um, I would, you know, my wife and me, we have this conversation on the weekly. I mean, we really do. Um, I would say, first of all, don't paint pictures of Egypt, uh, it, just because you're in the desert right now, you know, uh, re, you know, and also don't forget what God has done. Cause it's easy to do that when you get in a season, when you feel like you're not really in, in that big, tour. and those are coming, they're going to come, but, uh, really maybe I don't want to say more importantly, that's probably not fair, but maybe more importantly, find something that's good. There's always something that's good. There's something about your life is good. You know, like um, we, and, and this is, this is in that same vein, but a little, a little different, maybe a little tributary off of it. Our, our family um, in 2017, I'll give you an example in 2017, uh, I woke up one Tuesday morning. Um, I got myself dressed. I was, I was, I was walking to the door. It, very literally, I walk into the door. Um, so a lot of times when you're an artist, people think that you're taking creative liberties, you know. No, I was literally, like the song that's coming out September 9th, it's the only song that I've ever co-written and, rele- and I'm releasing that is fully autobiographical. There, we took no creative liberties. You know, it's all true. You know, um, but I was I was walking out the door and my phone rang and our life just sort of fell apart, um, like in that moment. And so the advice I think I would give people too, <laughs> on top of those other things would be what we had. You probably see we keep these. My whole family wears these red strings um, during that time. We we literally my wife, actually, thank God for her. Uh, called our entire family together into the living room of our house. And we had to make a deliberate decision that this bad thing that has happened and we are in the thick of now will not govern our day-to-day life, you know, cause it had become, I mean, we were a couple of weeks in and it had become like, it was all of everything. It's all we talked about. It's all we dealt with. It's all we worked on. It's all we tried to figure out. And so uh, we, and, and that, that day, every one of us tied one of these red strings to remember whatever happens, you're tied to somebody who loves you and you're not alone, you know? And, and so um, I would say, if you're in that, don't let it govern your life. Like that time, remember that, that there, there really is, you know, even, even the scripture says weeping does last for the night, you know, and it does. And, uh, but the, the morning is coming and joy is coming with it, you know? Uh, and so I would really, really encourage you. And I know I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a really super practical guy. It's gotten me into more trouble 
sometimes that I'm too practical, but um, I know when people say things like that, when you're in the middle of it, your, your carnal brain just wants to be like, uh, yeah, I'm tired of hearing, but really like, really don't, don't let that, whatever it is, don't let it govern your life. Sure. You have to deal with, I don't ignore it. Yeah. We, we didn't ignore it with the thing we dealt with it. And actually now it's several years, five years later, you know, or whatever. And, um, I still feel like God will vindicate that situation because it's not fully, you know, you move on from it though. This, I'll tell you this, this is some advice that I think has helped me a ton when you're in those seasons like that, especially in the, in the beginning part, um, it's kind of like you got a sack of rocks on your back, you know, and what you want to do, what every one of us wants to do is just drop it. You want to drop that sack and be free of it. But what really happens is you drop a rock at a time. And before you know it, you know, like before you know it, like one day I literally looked at my wife one day in the truck and I was like, you know, I don't think about that every day now, you know, you, in the beginning, it governed our thoughts. Now, I mean, now and then, like when I'm talking to you, I remember it and what happened, but, uh, it's just a little at a time, you know, God frees you from it and you, you heal and, you know, sort of learn to fly again, you know? And, and that's life. I love that illustration. Too. I don't think I've ever heard it that way before of like, okay, there's a sack of rocks and yeah. how you surrender it isn't necessarily an immediate all at once, just drop and yeah. you're free. It is that pebble at a time. It's one rock. Yeah. So today, how can I surrender something small? And we underestimate sometimes the small and we view oh, yeah. small as insignificant. And yet God's designed the world that we live in to be incremental and to compound with interest. And so a workout today might not change our life, but it builds some muscles and, and right. one rock at a time, it builds that muscle of surrender that it takes to become free. And yeah. I love it. I think that also it speaks to me because I'm very um, optimistic. And so I think sometimes people will ask me or my wife, Micah, and they'll be like, man, is life just always good for you? Like, do you, are you always so happy? And I definitely experience the joy of the Lord. And there's also seasons of discouragement or there's challenges yeah. that I face. And I think sometimes operating up here, um, the challenge with it is when something challenging happens is you can really feel like you're in a pit of despair. Uh, yeah. It's a deep feeler and it's a deep thinker. And so I would just say like for that person who's going through it, like not to view arrival as the goal, because God right. is a destination. And so I, I heard actually a Super Bowl champion who beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And his, his name is Steve Weatherford. And he shared openly like he won the Super Bowl, has a ring, and he looks out his hotel room at people who weren't even fans of the team and they're celebrating with like the wrong jersey on him. They're outside partying. And he felt really depressed after winning the Super Bowl. And so I think that the moment, and I'm not speaking for you, but I think the moment after a victory, sometimes we can also feel a sense of, is this all there is? And yeah. so 
I can speak to it in this, that we are nine weeks into launching Young Adults Today as a nonprofit 501c3 ministry. And it's challenging and it's exhilarating. And yet I just don't want to wish it away because there will be a day, Lord willing, where some things look different. But I just, I don't want to wish away this season of family or this season of ministry, because I think that there's a preparation that God's using and building. And one of the things that we love to ask every guest is why they believe in young adult ministry. So I'll ask you, Todd, why do you believe that the faith of the next generation is so vital, is so important? Oh, man. Well, I really probably several reasons. Num- number one, because I, I personally, now this is, maybe this has been the sentiment for a hundred years. I don't know. But personally, I feel like the the young adults of faith today really are sort of the last, you know, like the last front like y'all you know because faith not only is is just faith under attack i mean it you know uh, but so many people are just sort of walking away from it and and um and look i'm all about um i'm all about deconstructing a bad view of god and a wrong view of god but don't deconstruct your faith you know <laughs> like uh like i get i get that and so i i almost I, and i'm again i may be wrong um and like i said this this might have been said for a hundred years people before me but i feel like the young adults now are sort of the last stand almost in a way you know and uh so them them walking in their faith especially and man like even what you were saying um when, when you're a young adult, I'll, I will never forget it in my 20s. It was so hard for me to understand why I wasn't living and, and having the things that people in their 40s and 50s were having, but they've had a lot more life. You know, even, even on the show, I, I had uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, you got all this stuff going on. You got all these kids you adopted and la, la, la. And I was like, well, look, number one, uh, Number one, I got 20 years on all y'all, you know, and uh, and I was like, number two, it's your story. If you want a good one, write it like I, I didn't wake up one day with two adopted daughters in my lap. It was work. And so I really would encourage young adults. And I know it's hard. It's so much easier said than done. I'm telling you. I'm living proof. There will be a day that you look back and your heart misses when you were poor and you didn't have anything, just each other and, you know, and whatever, two or three kids. Yeah. Man, I tell my wife all the time, you know, this past Christmas, I won't forget as long as I live because she agreed with me. I said, you know, I kind of miss Christmas when we were super poor. You know, like, uh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not rich now, but like, uh, I, I do, I, you know, I miss those days. Cause they're just, it just seems like there was a purity, you know, uh, that wasn't jumbled up with, you know, you know, 
labels and management and and all the people sing this and don't sing that or don't you know I, I I've literally had people say I love your spirit and I felt the spirit of God in the room but you really ruined the whole thing because you kept your hat on and I'm like what <laughs> I'm like oh you know I'm going bald so I just keep my hat on most of the time <laughs> but uh yeah man y'all look I don't not no pressure but I do feel like um that, that the young generation now really it does it does seem a lot like y'all are the last kind of like the last stand that and, and and on the other hand you know with when covid came and all the things happened um i don't want i don't want anybody to take this the wrong way so i don't i'm trying to choose my words here uh because i I've, i'm part of the kingdom and the church and i love it man i love it i love being part of it uh it's been challenging and rewarding and all but when all that happened i did think maybe maybe the silver lining is the the church and i'm doing air quotes again if you're listening the church could use a reset in some ways yeah. you know i i think uh i think a lot of times we get so bogged down in what people have created you know and their their ideas and and because what happens really in the church more than anywhere else i think is over the last, you know, 2,500 years or whatever, 200, 2,000 years, uh, you know, little by little, people had ideas and we turned that into doctrine, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and we're a little bogged down in it, let's be honest. <laughs> Todd, I think that's so true and really important to acknowledge that um, really, when you look at today, you're spot on when, when the church needs a, a reset. And here's, I think why is over time with anything, there's mission drift. Yep. You look All at right. General Motors. I was just studying General Motors. And when their company had a vision and founders, they had five different targets, target audiences, demographics. So they designed Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, Buick, uh, Cadillac, and Pontiac all at different price points. And over time, why is there no longer Oldsmobile? Why is there no longer Pontiac? Pontiac, right, yeah. Buick really had some challenges. Well, the Cadillac should have actually fallen under, or sorry, the Corvette, the most popular, one of the most expensive cars, should have been under the Cadillac umbrella. But there was mission drift over time. Yeah. And I think families experience this, marriage experiences, and, and the church really is no different that there is mission drift over time where you said it so well, people had an idea, not bad, but it was a human idea. And it might've been what the spirit of God was leading one community or one church, yeah. to do. but the mistake is then when we cookie cut that to our context, or when we right. make, turn it into doctrine, well, okay, where did Jesus say that? Or where is it in scripture? And I think right. that a helpful guide can be, where is it a biblical absolute or imperative? Where is it a community standard? Or where is it just a personal preference? To your point about the hat. Right. Okay, yeah. that's just a personal preference, but let's major on the major and the rest, it can negotiate because it's a minor. Yeah. So I'd love to know, how you and Brooke as a family, how you now that your life looks different, how have you kept the main thing, the main thing, or how is your goal 
to not mission drift with your yep. calling or with your faith. Um, when, when that's kind of the default is that we go on autopilot and we go on cruise control. How yeah. is your faith and the vision of God or the mission of the church? How are you keeping that the main thing now? Oh, yeah, on a, on a, so on a family level, uh, I really credit my wife more for this than myself. She's much better at it than I am, but we're, it, it's more, it's simpler than you might think. Uh, we just have to be really deliberate, you know, uh, very deliberate to, to say this is who we are. And this is what even, even my, myself and her, we have to be very deliberate about spending time together. And, and I'm, we have to be very deliberate about planning things. We don't plan something every day, but we plan things to do with the children, you know, very deliberate about that. And now I've got, you know, two sons that are, you know, one's out two that are you know, on the cusp of adulthood. And so I have to be very deliberate with them. And, uh, uh, but as far as, as far as kingdom stuff goes, I'll, I'll be really honest. I, um, I have, I really, it's odd because God, God has really blessed me, uh, in that I have, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for access. I don't know if access is the word, but like, it's like I have access to more of a secular world and also the church world. Yeah. Um, and so, so I guess missionally it's tough because when you do that, you're also going to get kickback from both of those worlds, you know, which I do from time to time. Uh, and so I just have to be really, I have to kind of try to stay focused on what I'm doing, what I feel like it is that God wants me to do. Um, and that it's not just me out here saying, oh, yeah, I'll do this or that. I really do have a very specific kingdom vision for what I'm, what I'm doing, you know. And I just, I have to, I just have to really focus on that because it's easy um, for me, especially with the church side, because that's my entire life in history. Right. It's, it's easy for me to sort of want to, want to push some of these other aspects of the vision aside because the church people are way more welcoming of one side, you know, but, but then what I'm doing, I feel like, and I, I mean, I prayed a lot about this, you know, and some of this, man, I don't know. I'm kind of flying blind by the, by the seat of my britches, you know, but uh, I'm doing the best I can. But I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to put the, what God has put in me to, to share with the world. Cause I believe that there, I, now don't get me wrong. I don't think any of us should throw any biblical truth out. Do not ever do that. You know, but I do think there are certain things, you know, each of us have different personalities and I, I feel like God has, God has given each of us certain things that are sort of like a, I don't know, like a strong point for us to really share with the world. Um, and I do feel like if I'm not careful, one thing I'm trying really hard not to do, and it, it's harder than it, it sounds to, uh, if I'm not careful, I will put that into like a shadow box that only Christians will look in. And I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to put that in, into a circumstance that only people of faith see. Yeah. You already know the Lord, you know, I, now don't get me wrong. Cause I always, I always said to me, if you really think about it, when I was pastor and I used to say this, 
man, probably every Sunday or every other Sunday at somewhere in, in the message. If you really, really think about it, the entire kingdom is broken down into, into two, two uh, ministries. One is the ministry of reconciliation or calling people to Jesus. And the other is edification, people that already know Jesus. And everything falls under one of those umbrellas. You know, you're either drawing people to Jesus or you're ministering to people that already know, it, you know, and um, I don't want to sacrifice the first one to satisfy the second one. You see what I mean? It's spot on. It's spot on. And I think those are the right questions to ask and just to recognize that, you know what, there's a degree of intentionality that Mm -hmm. following Jesus takes and submitting and surrendering to the call of God and just being obedient with what he's placed in your head, in your heart, in your hands, and knowing that we're not always going to get everything perfectly right all the time. Oh, yeah. But just walking in step with him. And I love that to your point about slow down with that message. It's said that we follow a three and a half mile an hour savior. And that's the speed that Jesus walked everywhere yeah. in the human yeah, flesh. Yeah, that's right. Is he, he went from this place to that place. How fast? Probably about three and a half yeah. miles an hour. Walking. That's, that's walking. And so I think sometimes we get ahead of him because we want oh, to be fast sure. and it's instantly gratifying or it's just the pace of the New York minute or our culture. And it's just like, hang on, we're walking and I want to be in step with him. So I don't want to fall behind and I don't want to get too far ahead. I just want to walk at that three and a half mile an hour pace with him. And how we love to close each conversation is just put five minutes on the clock and ask you five final thoughts. They're a little bit rapid fire. So about a minute or so each, you up for that challenge? Yeah, sure. Cool. And these are lighthearted to um, our listeners know that it, it's just to get to know you better. So to start it, what would you say your go-to road trip snack is? Oh man, my go-to road trip snack is uh, turkey bites. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Slim Jim, but it's made out of turkey because it's a long story, but right now, probably not forever. I'm off red meat. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's those little, those little turkey bites protein energy let's go okay yeah, man. what would you say um one thing that you want to teach each of your kids before they leave the house is oh for sure uh one thing gosh if i only pick one thing i guess um i would want to teach my kids to have grace for themselves man because you know if you're not careful you're going to be your own worst enemy uh and you're you're bound to screw up. It's just going to happen. <laughs> you know, there's, it's not a, an if it's a win. So I want to teach them to have, have an abundance of grace for themselves. You know, it's amazing. This is the curveball, And I was All right. last night and I got a fob off for my daughter. So the curveball okay. is if you could ask me anything under the sun, what would you want to know? It keeps me on my toes and engaged. Oh man. Uh, what, so what got you into ministry is what I would love to know. Like, how did you get into the ministry that you're in? And you know what? I, um, worked the same job all through high school, all through college. It was at a batting cage. It had like laser tag, birthday parties, pizza, arcade, laser tag, bumper car, stuff like that. It was called grand slam. And I got that job because I wanted to use the batting cages and I was running low on spare cash And so they offered me a job. I was like 14 and I thought, man, I'm good with people, love helping them have a good time. 
I could see this as a, as a future in business. And there was a moment where I went on a missions trip to Belize 2010. And it was like, God showed me so clear coming to summer camp the next week after that graduated high school, about to go off to college, actually to a business school. And God just showed me the power of the cross, the blood of Christ. And that that is my call is to declare the goodness of God to my generation and to ones to come. And so for me, it's just been one step at a time. I did have a vision in 2012. So a decade ago of thousands of young adults, ages 18 to 30 on their knees, lifting their hands in worship, surrendering their lives to God. And so it's those still small voice moments where God showed me a picture, gave me a vision or whispered something that I wrote down in my journal that it's just like, I believe the faith of the next generation is worth everything. So worked at a local church, um, started a campus ministry for four years. And now we're doing um, kind of a new ministry where we're reaching young adults in our world today through a podcast, conference, weekend retreats, and figuring out what the next step is one small step at a time. But yeah, that's, that's the vision. Yep. I, I'll tell you what, that'll be the rest of your life. Uh, I tell people uh, all the time, you know, people say don't miss the forest for the trees. I'm like, don't miss the trees for the forest. A lot of times you want to see the big thing and you don't pay attention to the little things, you know? Uh, so that's kind of the rest of your life. I'm right there. I'm, taking a step at a time, even now. And I'm 44. So <laughs> I love it. It's encouraging. And okay. If you're not allowed to do this one, I can edit it out if you're under contract or something, but we got two little girls. They love music. Is there a song in your heart that you'd be willing to just 10 seconds, sing them a chorus? Oh yeah. What song do they like? The, the Is there one they love? You know, if I know it. I'll sing some of it. Okay. There's, there's, um, there's a few. Um, I would say one of their favorite is the blessing right now. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's the one that goes, uh, may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. What is it for your family and your children and their children and their children? I can't remember the rest, but that's a, that's a little bit of it. <laughs> I do so, kind of know it. That's so fun. They love singing that. Like, you know, our daughters were both born during the pandemic, Todd. So I'm learning now what it means to be a dad outside of a pandemic, right. which is, I think, in many ways, a lot more open. But some of my favorite moments were rocking them to sleep and singing mm -hmm. that song over them. Oh, man. So, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I remember it's wild how different people are. I remember when Judah came home, uh, it, this, you know, this is not going to be the most Christian faith-based thing I've said all day, but, uh, I would rock her to sleep and I would sing, um, the Lord of the Rings when the cold of winter, comes. I love <laughs> starless it. night will cover day. I would sing that to her rocking her to sleep. <laughs> Hey, it's good to have a repertoire because oh, yeah. sometimes there it's convincing a sleepy person to go to sleep and music helps us do that. But Todd, yeah. it's been an amazing conversation. How I'd love to close today is just, man, is there a piece of encouragement that you'd have your uh, on your heart or in your mind for a young pastor, a young leader, or a young adult listening um, that's just burning in your heart that you'd love to share with them? Oh, listen, 
do not, where you are right now, please, please. Uh, I know I'm not 80, but I've been through a lot of years of ministry. Do not despise where you are. Don't overlook the people that you are loving right now because you're waiting on a bigger crowd of people to love. Love the ones in front of you. I'm telling you, uh, that matters more than anything. And, um, you know, there, I mean, I hate to say one piece, there's so many different pieces of advice, you know, there, you will go through seasons where people that you never thought would, would betray you do. Uh, but you'll also go through seasons where people that you never dreamed would come to your rescue, just completely save you, you know? Uh, and so just stay sort of stay encouraged. If you're, if you're hurting, hurt, don't try to, you know, don't do, I, that's my thing. One thing that the church, I think my, myself included could have done better for, through the years is validate pain. You know, it don't always be like, Oh, well, you know, overlook that, or you're just being church hurt or whatever. If you're hurt, just be hurt. You know, um, Joseph got sold into slavery. Him and his dad had a super close relationship. By the time he finally got reunited with his dad, his dad died. And what's the scripture say? Like he took some time to hurt, you know, that's what he did to be. In. So feel that. But really, I guess I'll go back to the first one. There's nothing more important. Just love the people in front of you right now. Yes. And amen. It is. Uh, we never want to overlook the person that we're having the conversation with right now. Right. Yeah. That listen. person you're with right this second. Right. I've, I've seen a minister model this to me is like, if he's in the lobby at a large church, people walk by and want his attention and he's talking to somebody in the lobby, it just stays right here. Mm. And I think that it's easy to look over people's shoulder if we're not careful. Sure is. Yeah. I mean, just what you said, Todd, it, it, it reminds me and it, it shows me like, this is what's important and it communicates it to people. And I, th I think that it's really easy to experience. If somebody looks over your shoulder, you're like, okay, talk later. But yeah. if somebody has that heart to heart. It's like, Hey, this is right here. And we're really grateful. That's so, right. Man, blessings, excited about your new book, about every little win. And thanks for taking time to invest in this conversation in our community of young leaders. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plug me in. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now. Yeah.